when it comes to special needs as well, like at the library, there aren't special needs groups. So if you're looking for parents with special needs children, talk to the parents in the lobby of the, you know, wherever your kid's going to therapy, if they have, you know, physical therapy, you know, cognitive behavioral problems, whatever it is, a lot of great resources can be found in those parents because they know what you're going through because it's what their child's going through. And it is really hard. So having somebody that I can sit to in the lobby and talk about, hey, is your child doing this? What do you do about it? What resources do you use? Where do you guys meet up to play? Maybe we can get together for a play date and not feeling like I'm the only person in the world dealing with this is a great thing to have. Welcome to the Daily Naked Pair Podcast, brought to you by Rocco Blue, the first ever brand focused on supporting parents with special needs children. Naked Parent Nation is a group of parents with special needs children who are willing to get vulnerable, strip it all down, and take a look at ourselves, our parenting, our family, and our plans to create a life beyond our wildest dreams. On today's episode, we'll be discussing blended families. Hello, Naked Parent Nation, and welcome to today's episode of the Naked Parent Podcast. My name's Chad Ratliff, and I'm your host. Before I introduce you to our guest today, let me start by sharing a message from Naked Parent Nation. Naked Parent Nation is a worldwide community of parents and professionals raising children with all kinds of needs. We come together to share our naked truth, support our fellow parents, and inspire the inner growth that each of us needs to build the life and family of our dreams. For the parents that are struggling, we want you to know that we will love you until you can love yourself. For your children, we pray and send power from our collective group. As we come to understand our divine nature, we realize that there's no need to feel sorry for ourselves, be angry, or feel lack. We come to understand that our feelings of limitation and separation are only in our minds. Through self-realization, we expand our consciousness so that the challenges that perplex us today dissipate one by one until we're able to see and experience gratitude and beauty in everything just as it is. We have the power to create any kind of life we want for ourselves and our families. We do this by living in the naked present moment, one day at a time. Naked parenting is the process of moving from where you are today to liberation. Naked Parenting understands that the mind is responsible for all our problems. On our journey, we will eliminate suffering so that we can be present, joy-filled in order to give our children the best version of ourselves. So if you're ready to continue your journey of consciousness and awareness, then I'd like to welcome you to Naked Parent Nation and the Naked Parent Podcast. So as we do, before we get to our conversation. Let's take a moment to get centered. Take a moment for ourselves. If you want to sit up straight with your spine erect and just let your eyes close and just get conscious of your breath. Take a deep breath in through your nose. Hold it and then exhale, relax. On this next inhale, I want you to tense your fist and all the muscles in your body and hold it at the top. And tighten. 
and then exhale, relax. And then one more time, inhale intense. Hold. Exhale, relax. And as you sit with your eyes closed, taking in the sounds of the room or the way your body feels, see if there's any sense of tingling in your fingers or your legs. And just be where you are. Try and open your heart while you're conscious of your breath. Imagine your heart open and imagine breathing in to your heart. As you sit in quiet, I want to share with you a journey I had last week at a Dr. Joe Dispenza meditation retreat. While people were meditating and doing heart and brain coherence. There were two people with blindness when they came in having spontaneous remission who were able to see after meditation. There was a lady who was in a wheelchair for 20 years that after a coherence healing got up out of her wheelchair and walked around the room. And there's brain coherence healings being done with special needs children and we're just scratching the surface of it. So while you take these moments to connect with your body and your breath and your heart, just start to imagine, believe, explore the possibilities that are out there for ourselves and our children and we'll explore more of those meditation practices and coherence healings on the show. But today I just wanted to share that there's a lot of power within us and there's a lot of potential in the power that we have and the powers of the world. So. As you take another deep breath and you come back into the room to continue with the show, just keep that in the back of your, your head. But I'd like to introduce you to Annie Goss, who's Hi. with us. Hi, Annie. Thanks for being on the show today. No problem. I'm excited for it. So you have a big family, a big, a big blended family going on. Is that I right? I do. Tell so, us a little bit. My husband and I, we met in high school, but my mother was military. So we moved to Nebraska like four months after we met. We stayed in contact, but being in Nebraska and him being in Florida, long distance just wasn't really an option. We both eventually married the wrong other people. <laughs> I had a child. He had two children. We got divorced. Both of us got divorced. Um, mine, the father, wasn't interested in staying in my child's life. His mother, um, his children, their mother was. So she's still involved in their life, but mine wasn't. So he signed over his rights and my husband adopted her after we've been married legally for six months because that's just how it works in the state of Florida. And then we had a child together and I am done. No more. <laughs> Can't do it. 
can't do it. No. So can you tell us the ages of all the kids? Yes. My stepson is seven. My daughter is six. His, my stepdaughter, his daughter is five and ours will be three in one month. Wow. That sounds very familiar to me. I have uh, five within six years. So you have a lot in a very short order. Can you tell us who has the unique needs in the family? So in a way, I would say all of them. My daughter is definitely ADHD. I have ADHD myself. I can already see the signs in her, but I'm holding off on testing until she reads third grade because that's what the school recommends, especially when it comes to medications like Adderall. I really don't want her to be heavily medicated until she's a little bit older. My stepson, I believe, and from what he's in therapy and his therapist has recommended that he be tested for autism and ADHD, but his mother is not on board with it and we can't do it without her permission. So unfortunately, he just doesn't get to have the help that the other two, my biological children get to have. And then the one who I would say is most affected would be my son. He will be three next month and he is mostly nonverbal. He has a lot of issues with like controlling his behavior, his emotions, just like more of the stereotypical signs, the hand flapping, spinning in circles, fixated on things, repetition of phrases. He likes a very controlled environment. And if that environment varies in any way that displeases him, everybody in the room is going to hear it. Wow. When did the signs start looking like you weren't expecting? I honestly would say from the very beginning, well, about two weeks after he was born, um, I took my kids with him in Florida to a water park. I wasn't swimming because he was so young. I was just kind of laying there with him, like held to my chest in one of those little bundle things. And the other kids were playing in the splash pad. As I'm laying there, he was totally calm. You know, I could hear him breathing. And then he just screamed this unholy banshee screech. I've never heard anything like it. And I think from that moment, I knew I was like, that's... I." something's off and then you know as he continued to develop he was always slower than all my other children he was the last one to walk he was the last one to speak a word um still to this day he speaks about maybe 12 words and he didn't speak really until after 18 months i just you know once he was not hitting these markers the way that he was i knew that there was something wrong but there were other ways that he excelled where the other children weren't you know, he's very good at recognizing patterns. He's very good at figuring out how things work and putting them together. Even though he can't speak, I can give him like a broken, like a piece of, like a toy. And I take like the lid off and I put the base here and the pieces here. And within like two minutes, he's got to put together. Wow. Even though he's not even three years old. So I knew that there was something special about him, but I didn't know exactly what it was until after... I would say about maybe his his two-year-old well check appointment at the doctor's office. And then we were going through the mile markers and he was not hitting a lot of them. And they're like, described from his behavior, I definitely think that he's on the spectrum. But the wait list is a year long. So we this whole year we've been waiting. And we finally, finally last week got approved for screening. And we're going to be doing that at the beginning of June. And then that's just the screening. We can't even get the diagnosis until August because they won't start until the next school year starts. Wow. Um, Was the doctor on the same, were you and the pediatrician on the same page with what you were seeing? Yeah. I mean, I always thought that, you know, if there was anything just from like Google search, because I'm not a doctor, that autism sounded like what was happening here. 
And then a neighbor from across the street from his parents, they have a son who has sensory processing disorder and is also on the spectrum. And every single symptom that they mentioned lined up with mine perfectly. And I was like, that's it. That's the one. I know it. I 100% know it now. I mean, the repetition of the phrases, the spinning, the hands, every single thing. They're like, yeah, our son did all of that. And we got him help. We got him into speech therapy and physical therapy and occupational therapy. And then I enrolled my son at the same center that they go to. And that's what we've been doing now for a few months. And he's gotten a lot better, but he still has a lot of way to go. And there's a lot going on at your house. Being a parent's hard enough. Blended families, lots of kids. And then you throw in these things that you weren't planning on. I mean, how are you dealing with that as a mom, as a human being, as a parent? It's not even just a blended family. So we are living with my in-laws right now because his aunt and uncle experienced homelessness during COVID. And our house was a three bedroom, two bath. We have six people. So we already wanted to upgrade houses. We're like, oh, you can live in our house, you know, just pay like the mortgage a little bit extra and, you know, fix everything yourself. like. And then we could use that money to get a bigger house. We did not realize how bad the market was going to be. So we've been living here for six months and two bedrooms. So, you know, we used to have three. Now we have two, two bedrooms of his parents' house. One is for us. Um, I don't know if you can see the bed right there. That used to be my son's bed, but now my daughter's sleeping in it because my son being in the bedroom with us for whatever reason was setting him off. So now we put him in the other bedroom with his older brother. And then I don't even know what we're going to do when stepdaughter gets here after summer break. So it's been kind of chaos. Yeah, for sure. So you have like really, you got a positive vibe about you. Has this stressed and strained and pushed you? Beyond? Yeah, it has. I actually started developing some medical symptoms and I'm not exactly sure what's wrong with me right now. But as of right now, they're thinking lupus, but I'm supposed to meet with a neurologist next month to see if it could be MS. And then also a um, rheumatologist in case it is lupus or MS to learn how to treat that. But then I also have to see a, um, the word's not coming to me right now, but a cancer doctor, because it could be with some of the symptoms because lupus and leukemia, they want to roll it out, but it's not completely off the table yet. And wow. that has been incredibly difficult just on the top of raising special needs children and living with my in-laws in a very small confined space with conflicting views. So I figured I can either sink into this darkness of I could have cancer, I could have these serious disabilities, I could lose my ability to walk, I could, you know, I don't know if my son's ever going to talk, I don't know if we're ever going to find a house, or I could continue moving forward. And I'm choosing moving forward because it is just easier than dealing with all of that in the moment. <laughs> Are there some things that you're doing that are making it possible for you to move forward? Because some people want to move forward, but the depression or whatever just becomes so debilitating, just can't get out of bed sometimes. There are times when I get to that point and I'm thankful that I do have some family and I'm, I'm kind of building my own tribe, like other mothers, other special needs mothers, other single mothers, but we can be there and we can support each other. Unfortunately, you know, Gen X and millennials kind of got the short end of the stick when it came to grandparents. Grandparents aren't as involved or like with my parents, they live in Huntsville, Alabama. So they, they try to be involved as much as they can, but they really physically can't. And my husband's parents, you know, while they're letting us live here, they aren't the most involved with their grandchildren. So 
we don't get a lot of time alone. We don't get, you know, like date nights. We don't get time to ourselves, especially me because he's working and I'm here with the kids pretty much 24 seven. But I have a really great sister-in-law. She has two teenage daughters that are willing to help out. And that's kind of given us that break. I've made some great new friends in these parent support groups and autism support groups that we get together and we have play dates or, you know, like I take the kids and she has time and then, you know, she'll watch them for me so that I can have time. So making that time for self-care and going out and making those connections are really important. I think for being able to move forward and move past that depression and the anxiety and the overwhelming awesomeness it is to be a mother in today's world. It can become isolating to go down this path. That's what I hear a lot. What do you recommend to that parent that's feeling isolated? How do they reach out? What steps? I would say start with your local library. You know, a lot of people think that the libraries are dying, but a lot of them have a lot of great resources. I started with the one in Huntsville. Huntsville is amazing because it's a mostly European populated community and they pour a lot of money into public resources like libraries, community centers, etc. Here in Florida, Ron DeSantis, not so much. But they still do have some programs, and a lot of it is funded through the people who go there. So we donate and try to give as much as we can so other parents can have these resources. But it's where I met the other mothers, you know, in toddler story time, family art night, family board game time. And then you reach out and you communicate with these other families that are there. I'm luckily enough to be a more extroverted person, so it's not as hard for me as it is for maybe someone who's more introverted. But if you're really feeling that isolation, I think you you just have to push past that anxiety at some point so you can have those resources if you don't have a support system. Yeah, I hope that the listeners that are more introverted, you know, can get some kind of motivation from what you're saying because Mm -hmm. depression on your own just gets just gets darker and darker. So when it comes to special needs as well, like at the library there aren't special needs groups. So if you're looking for parents with special needs children, talk to the parents in the lobby of the, you know, wherever your kid's going to therapy, if they have, you know, physical therapy, you know, cognitive behavioral problems, whatever it is, a lot of great resources can be found in those parents because they know what you're going through because it's what their child's going through. And it is really hard. So having somebody that I can sit to in the lobby and talk about, hey, is your child doing this? What do you do about it? What resources do you use? Where you guys meet up to play? Maybe we can get together for a play date and not feeling like I'm the only person in the world dealing with this is a great thing to have. Yeah. So if all of this isn't enough, you get into these blended family situations and, uh, you know, your stepson's mom, who's, you know, maybe not. She pulled her son out. My son is seven years old and he's in kindergarten because she pulled him out due to refusal of a COVID test because she thinks that COVID tests inject microchips into the brain. I'm not even kidding. I wish I was joking about all of the stuff that we've had to put up with her over the years with the whole tinfoil hat conspiracy theories, microchips, COVID's a conspiracy, blah, blah, blah. Mental illness isn't real. Disabilities aren't real. Doctors created them and big pharma created them. Leech off of vulnerable, like, no. No, but it, I think that is probably the hardest part for me. The one thing that I can't push past and one thing about like the depression that, you know, no reaching out is going to ever help me is that my ability to help that child is limited. I can love him as much as I want. I can take him and do things. I can buy him things, but I can't get him the help if his parents won't sign off on it. And if his mother is against it, then that's really all that we can do. 
That's heavy. That's heavy. Um, how much does he know or not know about having some challenges? Like, does he feel? He, if he is on the spectrum, and again, we are not 100% sure, he is very high functioning. He's actually very intelligent. He reads on a third grade level. I would say that his biggest issue is controlling his anger and his behavioral issues. He gets, you know, like they have this color system at his school where, you know, like blue's the highest and red's the worst. And some weeks he'll just go red, 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 because he loses a game of soccer and he just can't handle it. He does not have the ability to process his emotions like other, you know, normal able-bodied people do. So he goes ballistic. He screams, he throws things, he breaks stuff, he throws himself on the floor, makes his head nice and down. I'm like, Lucas, why are you doing this? And he's just like, I don't know. Hmm. And, you know, part of me is just like, I don't know if he doesn't know because he is in therapy. The best that we can do because she won't sign up on therapy outside of school. The school is fortunately the one we went to or the one that my children go to has on-site therapy and groups to help children like Lucas. But that's the best that we can do is like an hour group at school with, you know, like eight other kids. We don't get as much one-on-one time as I would like. But... From what I've heard from his psychologist, the school psychologist, is that Lucas is very intelligent. He's very aware of his actions, but he's telling me that he's not. Mm. And, you know, she is a school psychologist. She's not an autism specialist. So I don't really know which way to go with that other than, you know, just keep supporting him, keep helping, keep being there for him. But again, there's really not a lot I can do when mom won't sign off on it. I've gotten some books from the library. I mimic some of the behavior that I see with my step, with my, with my own son in therapy. And I try to do like kind of at home therapy with my stepson, but it's just so much different because he is so much higher functioning and because they are so different in age. I mean, he's almost five years older than my son. I don't really know if what I'm doing is even helping at this point. Well, it sounds like your heart's in the right place. And I tend to believe that when you lead with love, it's gotta be the right thing, man, this whole, like co-parent does is it is the custody split or so that is another issue that we have with her so when they got divorced cassandra his mother was like i want the school years and you can have the summers and no child support was to be paid on either side and i think the reason why she did that is because she you know, can come and go as she pleases. And then she will never be the one responsible for child support. So up until Lucas starting school, we had them, you know, like 10, 11 months out of the year, no support whatsoever. She didn't contact, like she doesn't make phone calls. She doesn't make time for her kids. And then, you know, they started school and suddenly boom, these kids were ripped out and they were in school. But then the whole COVID thing happened. And she's like, COVID's causing microchips in the brains, pulled them out of school. They were supposed to visit us for Christmas. And then they were here for like six months. And then she came back, like, you know, school year's supposed to start again. She's like, okay, I'm back. We're going to try kindergarten again. And then again, Christmas happened again. Same thing. She just never came back. She came back for her daughter, but she didn't come back for her son because her daughter, my stepdaughter, doesn't have the same issues that Lucas has. She is, I guess, what you would call normal, you know, able bodied, doesn't have any ADHD symptoms, autism symptoms, dyslexia symptoms. And she's really sweet. She's very easygoing. She doesn't throw a lot of tantrums. She's always been mild-mannered ever since she was a baby. And I think that Sanders just like, I'd rather deal with the easy kid. And not to mention that 
Lily looks like her and Lucas looks like my husband. And I personally think that she might have a bit of narcissism and that fact and that favoritism in the fact that this child looks like me and this one doesn't. So it's very blatantly obvious that that is her favorite child and that he gets put on the back burner. And that is really something that's hard to it's hard to deal with and hard to see because I feel like I can't make his mother love him. I can only do what I can do, but it's still heartbreaking to know that child is going through that pain of feeling rejected by the person who's supposed to love you more. Yeah. You know, I'm, I'm not qualified in any way to diagnose, nor do I even know if that's worthwhile, but that's the thought that came to my head because in my personal situation, even when my kid's mom would see the kids she wouldn't see the our child that has the severe special needs and i believe that my kid's mom is a, you know a narcissist and mm -hmm. it just breaks my heart mm -hmm. when when i use i mean she doesn't even see any of them anymore but when she did have sending the four kids off and he mm -hmm. stays i just don't i mean i don't know i could never imagine doing that in reverse, I would just feel too bad for doing right. it. Even if I felt I couldn't handle it, I couldn't do it just because of not wanting to do that to somebody, let alone your own mom. I think of, uh, why I connect so much with, you know, or why I feel like I want to save my stepson so much or why I give him so much attention is because I've been in that situation myself. My right. biological father is a narcissist and I don't look like him. I look like my mother. My sister looked like him. And it was, again, blatant. He did not want to spend time with me. He actually suggested when my parents got divorced, parent trapping me and my sister. My mom would have me and he would have my sister and they wow. would never see each other again. And my mom was like, no, we are not doing that. What is wrong with you? But every time, like, you know, he would come and go and go years. I wouldn't hear anything from him. And then we, he would come and go and he'd only want to spend time with my sister. He didn't really want to spend time with me. My birthday, he would give presents to my sister. But I never got presents on my sister's birthday. Once we got old enough to have cell phones, he would call her. Never really called me. Didn't want anything really to do with mm -hmm. me. And then once I turned 18, you know, he continued to have a relationship with her, but not with me. My, it got to the point, though, my sister, when he, even though he did favor her, he was still a terrible father to both of us. And he didn't show up at her college graduation after telling her for weeks, months, days, I'm going to be there. I'm going to be there. Don't worry. I'm checking into the hotel now and didn't show up. And she's like, you know what? I'm done. Wow. And both of us have been really no contact with him for like the last five years. But having gone through that personally, that feeling rejected by somebody who's supposed to love me and yeah. feel, seeing that favoritism firsthand, I'm like, I'm not going to let him feel that way. I'm going to do everything I can in my power to make sure that he doesn't feel that way. Mm. I know that my mom did the best that she could, you know, but she was also working full time military gone all the time. She was always deployed. So I really didn't have either of my biological parents there while I was growing up, especially during that vulnerable stage of puberty. And I was just there with my stepdad and I don't ever want my kids to feel the way that I felt. Wow. Well, that's, your kids are lucky to have someone who's looking out for them in that way. How challenging is it for your husband to interact between mom and the son? That is an issue that we have, me and him personally in our marriage. And so I'm just like, you need to call her, you need to find out what's going on. 
And I mean, he's not entirely wrong because she does change her mind frequently. She's like, oh yeah, I'm going to pick him up at this date. And then she doesn't, or I'm going to do this. And then she does something completely opposite. And so I get where he's coming from and the fact that he can't really make a plan, but it's so frustrating for me because it's like, can you at least try to make a plan? If she fails, then, you know, at least I know that it's not on your end, but you know, getting him to communicate with her is like pulling teeth. That's and hard. it is very difficult and he doesn't like to do it. He's like, I just, you know, she's just going to do whatever she wants to do anyway. So I don't, I don't want to do it. I don't want to do it. I'm like, well, you have to, because these kids are going to grow up and they're going to remember, you know, that dad didn't call mom, et cetera. And, you know, like the non-communication thing, dad, you know, he tries and I, I will give him credit. He does try to communicate, but she, half the time she fails. So seeing you know, sometimes it's like, what's the point? She's just going to not answer the phone anyway. I'm like, mm. well, at least you can say that you tried. But it is it's very difficult for dad to deal with that. It's difficult for all of us to deal with it. And, you know, I don't really know what we can do besides going back and forth to court. But neither of us are wealthy. We can't afford, you know, a $20,000 custody battle, especially not at this point in our life. So we just kind of have to accept that this is the point that it's going to be and just do the best of what we can. I always make sure that when my stepdaughter does visit, and up until this point, they've never been separated until this last visit. It was always Lucas and Lily here, Lucas and Lily there. Now this is the first time that it's really been like parent trapped and they're separate. But she, when she does, if she does come for the summer, because again, we still haven't gotten any confirmation from mother whether or not she's going to take Lucas for the summer. Is Lily going to come here for the summer? Are they both going to be here for the school year? We can't get any answers out of her. But if she does, I always make sure to just like jam pack the itinerary. So that way that the moments that she does have here are good and positive ones. And it's not just, I hung out at dad's house all year, you know, all week and we didn't do anything or whatever. However long she's going to be here. So I'm like, let's go to the zoo. Let's go to the aquarium. Let's go to the beach. Let's go to the park. Lots and lots and lots and lots of, you know, positive and family time. Because I remember also growing up with a narcissistic dad who would take us and we would just sit on his couch. And he would ignore the fact that we were even there. Sometimes he even forgot that we were there. And he just like came out of the shower with no clothes. I was like, oh, I forgot you guys were here. Let me go get a towel. Like, so I also want to make sure that my kids, my stepkids don't feel like we don't love them or that we're not trying or that we don't care because we don't have the money to fight for them right now. A lot of moving parts. Uh I'm going to go back to the question that we kind of brought up earlier. I mean, a lot of this stuff can be debilitating and can just kind of push a person over the edge, it can push relationships over the edge. I mean, mm-hmm. it's tough to to work through some of these things. Are, are there some things that you guys are doing that's working to help you get through some of these challenges? I think that now that I've found that group of mothers, that support system that I can actually rely on, taking that time to spend together is really important and making sure that we don't kill each other. You know, we need that grown up adult alone time to reconnect and talk about what our next step is. What are we going to do this summer? What are we going to do parenting? How are things going with your career? How are things going at home? How are things with your health? You know, we need that time. And unfortunately with him, you know, working two jobs, you know, some days he's gone all day, all night. I don't even see him just taking that time off on the two days that he does have to just be together and communicate and have those things is really, really important as far as like keeping 
the family together because there are many times that I feel like we've had to come apart and like this, you know, I'm like holding this whole family together and I can't do it anymore mm-hmm. because we just didn't have the time. You know, his mother would say, Oh, I'll, I'll be used for you. And then she would cancel the very last minute or, mm-hmm. and even when then it, we'd only get an offer like once every six months, families need more couples need more time than every four to six months to have time alone and not just to have time alone, but time to themselves. He needs time to go be with his friends. He needs time to be alone. I need time to be with my friends without kids and time to be alone. And having that support system, building up that network of other moms, single moms, special needs moms, whatever it is that you have, cousins, aunts, uncles, having that it takes a village mentality, I think it's the best thing that anybody can do for themselves in today's age of society. I agree. How are the kids doing kind of blending, getting along, not getting along. How's that going? I think we were fortunate in the fact that Ren and I got together when my stepson was two and my stepdaughter wasn't even a year old. So, and my daughter was one, she was almost two and my stepson was almost three, but they don't remember a time in which they weren't in each other's lives. They don't remember mom and dad being married and that I'm the evil stepmom that came to take them away from, you know, their mom. And even when they were together, like, you know, Cassandra, she's just kind of a neglectful mother. Even when she does have the kids, she doesn't really, it's about her because she's narcissistic. It's about what I want to do. It's not about what the kids want or what's best for them. It's about what do I want? I want to stay home and watch TV. So, and I want to watch this show, even though it's not a kid's show, but my kids are going to sit on the couch and they're going to watch it because that's what I want to do versus me. I'm like, let's go out. Let's do things. Let's go to the park. Let's go for hikes. Let's go for nature walks, etc. But I think having the fact that they, it wasn't so drastic of a plunge and the fact that their mom wasn't already the greatest mom, you know, she wasn't like this super mom. They had an awesome home life before I came into the picture versus like now they definitely, I mean, my stepson has told me that I'm the favorite mom. I, I don't like using that word. And I tell him, you know, like, don't say that kind of stuff. It's part of your mom's feelings. But I think that definitely made it a lot easier as far as that transition, as far as blending. I think the hardest part is what is that period from when they come back to their mom's house because she's neglectful, because she doesn't enforce rules, because she, you know, all of that's going on. And my, and versus my household and with my children, the rules are always the same. It's consistent. This is bedtime. This is, you know, we're on a schedule here. This is how we're going to do things. That adjustment period can be very difficult for my stepchildren, but not so much more for my other children. You know, they're very excited when stepchildren come to visit and come to stay with us. And once we get past that period of this is how things are and you're just going to have to accept it, it moves a lot smoother from there. I think the hard part though, is the fact that it's not consistent. There's not, Oh, we're going to have the kids for these months and she's going to have them for these months. And that's the way it's going to be forever because she's so like, I'm taking the kids now. It's been two weeks. I'm giving them back. I'm taking them for, you know, two months. I can't do it anymore. Here you go. That's really hard for any child to process. Totally. My kid's mom isn't, you know, she's, she's struggling with a drug problem and she hasn't even seen him in a few years at this point. And it's almost easier. It's almost easier exactly. because, because you don't, I don't have the drama, from, you know, and all the, the, you know, cause everything was a game, even when it didn't have to be like, everything mm-hmm. was, it's almost like 
she was doing it on purpose to just make everything more difficult than it had to be. That's definitely and, like I totally a hundred percent agree with that. I wish that I'm just kind of like you know what if you're gonna be a deadbeat, just be a consistent one. You know, like <laughs> drop out and don't come back. If you don't want to be a mom, if you're not interested in it. You know, one stop having kids. Because since, you know, she's had, abortion, she's had another child and I think she's had a couple other pregnancies under miscarriage, et cetera. But I'm like, if you're not, I understand that first time having a child and maybe you aren't ready for it. Maybe you don't want to be a mom. Maybe this isn't what you thought you were going to be and you want to dip out, whatever. But after that, after you realize this just isn't for you, stop having kids. And if you're going to be a deadbeat and you're not going to be building your kid's life, stop coming back. Let them build a family unit with somebody who is stable, who yeah. cares about them, with somebody who makes their interests the priority and just just don't come back you know you're only going to keep hurting them by inconsistently leaving and coming into their lives and i definitely feel that because again my dad would be like i'm in your life and i'm involved and then he would just disappear for years and i didn't hear anything from him and then suddenly he's apologizing and he wants to be back in our life and my mom every single time for whatever reason let him to come back into our lives and then he would hurt us again and again and again Luckily, the last time that he heard us, we were both adults and we were just, we don't have to force to have this relationship with him anymore. And I think both of us are on the page. That's not going to happen. But I just wish that with her, she would, you know, I I don't know why she does it. I think it's the same thing. I think she does it because she enjoys the drama or maybe she feels guilty, like that she's supposed to be this kind of mom, but she's not. And she's just not capable of being it. But she feels like all of this pressure from like social media and from other people like, where are your kids? That, oh, well, I guess I have to be involved. But I wish that she just wouldn't. Yeah. We have Alicia listening to the show and she's agreeing and empathizing with a lot that you're going through. Yeah. Can you tell us just kind of what what does your ideal life look like? Well, my ideal life before I got sick. I just wanted to get a house, you know, in a nice school district, have that cookie cutter life, you know, take my kids to sports and take my, and, you know, travel during the summers. I, my dream is to see all 50 United States. But now that I'm sick, I'm thinking more of leading towards doing a caravan style life and homeschooling because before I got sick, I thought, you know, I know that we don't know when we're going to die, but I definitely felt more confident in the fact that I was going to live to like 60, 70, 80 years old. And now the fact that I could have cancer, I could have MS, I could lose my ability to walk, I could have lupus, my kidneys could shut down, they're already not functioning well, my liver's not doing great, I don't know what's wrong with me, my hair's falling out, all of these things that are going on. I sat down with my husband, I'm like, look, I want to take the time that I have left, and I want to do what I want to do, I want to see the world, you know, and I, I just, we don't know now how much longer it's going to be. So I think that's if I'm medically able to, is kind of what I would like to do. But if I'm not, then, you know, I don't really know what the future's going to look like. I guess just settling down with the house and doing the best that I can. But hopefully, I will be medically able to do this for as long as I can before I get kind of grounded. And then just going back to that cookie cutter lifestyle. But even then, you know, I don't know if I'm able to do what I wanted to do, which is like, you know, taking my kids to their sports and their activities. I don't know if I'm going to be healthy enough to go and do those things. So that would be really, I guess, depressing for me, you know, being able being stuck at home and not being able to be the mother that I want to be. So that's where I'm kind of like just going back and forth between that care band. I think that's what I really want to do as of right now. 
One of the things I brought up during the meditation was I, I was at a, a meditation retreat last week and they were doing some coherence healings. I just want to open it up to you if you ever feel inspired and were interested in something like that, you know, please feel free to follow up with me and I would set it up. I think they're doing some amazing things. And I know that everybody has to be in the right headspace for it, but I just want that to be an option to you. If you ever feel like that's something you want to check out, please follow. I don't think I've ever heard of it until you mentioned it beforehand. I'm not exactly sure what it is, to be honest. It's pretty amazing. Um, but basically it's a group of meditators that get a person, all they have to do is know, you know, a little bit about the person, what they look like and where they're located. And then they're doing remote kind of meditation, coherence, healings. So kind of like Reiki? Uh, through video. Reiki, I, from what I know, is a little bit more of hands-on healing. Is that is that right or no? Um, it's a transfer of energy from my experience with it. You don't actually touch the person. You hold, like, like to say that this is the person's arm. And the person with Reiki, they, you know, like, I guess through like meditation or healing or whatever it is, they transfer their good energy into your body and they take the negative energy out. And supposedly it has done great things. I have done it a couple times and my back does feel better. I don't know if it's just the power of the mind or if it's, you know, this stuff actually works or what it is, but I definitely recommend it for sure. Yeah. So it's similar to this. We did some healings when I was at the retreat and it's where, you know, you'd have somebody laying in front of you and there were four people on each side and it was kind of transferring that energy. This is something you can do with anybody anywhere in the world. And it's a team of people that do a, a healing over whoever it is they're healing. So if it's something you were ever interested in, just follow up with me and I'll get you in contact with them. Um, but I'm rooting for you and your family and whatever whatever way is um, for the greatest potential for you all. Mm -hmm. One thing we do just to kind of get more of your insight and your journey is we do a lightning round where you give like one sentence to one word answers to okay. a few questions. Are you up for it? Yes. Okay. No wrong answer. Okay. What's the best advice you have received? Children's TV show, Bluey, um, run your own race. I love that. What online course topic would you sign up for today if it was available? I don't know if it's an online course or topic, but joining autism support groups online. Cool. Do you have a top resource or recommendation to share with other parents? Watch Bluey and get involved in your community. Yes. What's the next thing on your list that you want to add for your individual well-being? The caravan for sure. More travel, more fresh air, more outdoor time. What's one thing you think would improve your life if you did it or had it? More fresh air, more outdoor time. I know I've never seen the questions line up like uh, they have where it's like the question I just asked you a second ago, but um, that's the way it's working out right now. Uh, do you have a favorite product you use for yourself or your family that you just love and couldn't live without? I'd say getting organized is the best key for special needs parents to keep their sanity. So any kind of organizational tool is definitely a must. Right now, my favorite is the um, the over the door, you know, the little shoe holder things. I use them for everything. You can hold toys in them, keep them in the car, store band-aids, store Barbie dolls. I have them in the kitchen, storing spices. They're amazing. I have like 10 of them, buy them, all of them. I love it. 
Uh, Annie, I, I think you've been super authentic and I've really, you know, I'm just inspired by your, you know, sharing your truth and the challenges that you're facing and, and that you're a gamer, you're showing up for them. I commend you for that. Kind of in closing, what do you say to the parent who wants to be a gamer, but they just, they just feel stuck in the mud. They just feel like they can't get themselves feeling good enough to get out there and try and make things happen. What do you say to them? I think the best thing that you can do for yourself is to be yourself authentically. Before I was a mom, I was a dancer, stand-up comedian, an actor, a singer. I did, you know, I was this outgoing, flamboyant person. And then I became a mother and I was in charge of this other life. And I thought that I needed to dull my sparkle to just be what society expected me to be. And, you know, after having my son, I realized, why am I doing this? I mean, they're not getting anything out of it. And I'm certainly not getting anything out of it. So I'm not going to do it anymore. I started dressing the way that I did before I had kids. And if someone has a problem with it, they can just suck it. And I think that just be who you are, you know, going out and, you know, reaching out to other people. I'm like, why am I staying at home, isolating myself when I don't have to? So take the kids to the park, go to the library, go to the beach, go for a hike, go outdoors. Be whoever it is that you want to be. Being a mother doesn't have to change that. Neither does being a father. I think that is the most important lesson that any parent can learn. As long as your kids are happy, healthy, well taken care of, live your best life. Love it. Uh, thank you for making the time to be with us today and share your heart. And I would love to stay connected and kind of continue this journey together. For sure. Uh, as a community, as friends, and I'm rooting for you and your family. And, and I just want to thank you and wish you guys a, a great rest of your day. Okay. All right. Thank you so much. It's been great meeting you. All right. It's nice to meet you too. All right. Take care. Thanks. Bye. Bye. This concludes our show for today. And I'd like to personally thank you for spending the time with us on a topic near and dear to our hearts. If you'd like to be part of the Naked Parent Nation and help us reach those parents that are struggling and overwhelmed, there's no better way to help than by subscribing, rating, and reviewing the show on iTunes. iTunes highlights the shows based on these metrics, and the more the show gets highlighted, the more opportunities people will have to be introduced to the show where they can hear that message of hope or that tip that can change everything. So follow the link in our show notes and we hope to have you back here tomorrow where we'll do it again. From the team here at the Naked Parent Podcast, we wish you the life you've always dreamed of and then some. So long. Bye.